super, super cool interview today. It's Tran Lawrence, a Taranaki man, a Taranaki Spiro, and uh, it's where I grew up. So, but hey, if you are new here for the first time, welcome to the Noob Spiro podcast. My name is Isaac, aka Shrek, and this is where, this is the home of interviews with spearfishing experts, authorities, and characters from around the world. Today, it's Tran. He is a self-described, a soul who hears the ocean when she calls and listens when she sings, a photographer and a storyteller. He's a really cool dude, very experienced Spiro, and we get into a whole bunch of interesting topics. We talk about um, using your creativity, harnessing it to improve your own mental health. We talk about uh, the personal toll of health issues and Tran's journey having a, uh, a heart attack. We talk about how to hunt yellowtail kingfish in Taranaki. We talk about smoking fish uh, in a DIY wine barrel smoker that he created himself. We talk about a grapefruit marinade, crispy skin, grilled gurnard. Um, Tran's a very creative dude, very cool dude. Um, he is a photographer and very good at it too. If you want to follow along with him, go to instagram.com forward slash Tran, T-R-A-N dot Lawrence, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E. Really cool guy. You can also visit his blog at oceanprotagonist.com. Um, I did a bit, of, a bit of research on this, and so we had a good chat today. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, just wanted to quickly send, um, send out a shout-out to Linton Linton Hayes, um, he had a great idea. He's a generous sort of fella, loves handing on equipment that he's no longer using to up-and-comers, and he had a great idea to basically, like, if people showed him proof that they had done Ted Hardy's free safety course at freedivingsafety.com, which is um, a whole bunch of basic safety information for people wanting to start spearfishing and uh, starting to use some of the techniques that we use, it's a free course that Ted Hardy created, and he has had trouble getting Spiros to commit to doing this course, and and uh, and it hasn't grabbed as many up-and-coming Spiros as it possibly should have. So check that out at freedivingsafety.com if you are new to spearing. But um, if you're giving equipment away, it was a great idea from Linton to just say, hey, if you show me proof that you've completed Ted Hardy's course, then i um, I will send you some stuff for free. And uh, if you're doing that and you're an experienced guy you want in, or an experienced lady you're wanting to hand equipment on, might be a good idea for you to check it out. But anyway, let's get into ocean protagonist Tran Lawrence. Again, Taranaki as a place to live and dive is uh, fantastic apart from the dirty water. But uh, it, it, it uh, has definitely got its share of awesome watermen and water women. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. Tran. Adreno.com.au, the home of recipes, blogs, videos, equipment reviews, and an obnoxiously large range of spearfishing equipment for frothers like you. Not only that, but spearfishing trips and courses, courses and trips that I sometimes get to go on. Check them out at adreno.com.au. It's a Spiro's best friend. Check them out, and if you want to buy gear, pump in the code NoobSpiro to save $20 on every purchase over $200. You can use that online, in-store, Use the code NoobSpiro, save some cash, and support the NoobSpiro podcast. Shop with adreno.com.au. In 2014, Neptonics combined forces with Spearfishing Solutions and relocated its headquarters to Tampa, Florida. They now sell to over 60 countries worldwide with brick-and-mortar stores in Florida, Santa Cruz, and Long Beach, California. Take advantage of the Noob10 discount code to save 10% on all orders. Shop with neptonics.com. It's solid gear that works. Equipment you can rely on. Neptonics is the one-stop shop for all your spearfishing essentials. Free shipping on all orders over $99 in the USA. Use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off your order as well. 
Visit Neptonics.com, save 10% with the code NOOB10. G'day Noob Spirit community. I've got uh, Tran Lawrence on the phone today. He is a man after my own heart. He comes from Taranaki and uh, he spent a long, long time in the water. We're going to talk about some controversial stuff, I think, by the sounds of it. Tran on our warm-up um, chat, mate. Welcome. Yeah, hey, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I, I need one of those flash backgrounds like you do. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm, you've got a good background, man. Like I'm having a look yeah, at it too. Yeah, so, yeah, Ocean yeah. Protagonist is kind of where a lot of your work goes. You've got a blog on there, and you do a lot of underwater photography. But you've been a, a firefighter before. Are you still doing that now? Or no, no. We um, we decided to uh, give. Uh, um, it would have been easier to stay. Would have been easier to stay and uh, do the the sixty five year thing and 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 uh, and you know be quite happy with that. But uh, I, I'm someone that likes a lot of challenges. Um, we were a firefighter for almost um, you know fifteen years. Uh, a lot of time was um, as a volunteer, then moved into the career service. So um, I think you know from from that perspective, I think we we've served our community. Um, you know, we've done a lot of good stuff and it was time for us to um to look at something new because um, you know, with all these amazing institutions and stuff, um, you do get institutionalized, you know. Yeah. You would be happy to sit there and, and as as the firefighters call, you know, in the trough, you know, everyone's in the trough and happy to sit there till they retire, you know. Um, yeah. whereas I, I like to travel. I love meeting new people. So are you good mates? Because so you're in Taranaki, which is sort of like three hours north of Wellington on the west coast. That's kind of where I grew up as well. And so when I saw that there was a photographer getting around, I've been following away on your journey for quite a while. Were you good mates of? Are you good mates of um, Nathan there as well? Yeah, Nathan yeah. Jones? Nathan and I um, we worked at the same station. He was a rural firefighter. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I was sort of like the the urban firefighter. And we used to always always joke that. Uh, there was no glory in rural, you know, there was no pretty girls to watch you. And so, uh, you know, and, and, and your uniform always got dirty. So it was, it was a terrible gig, you know, why would you want to be a rural firefighter? Whereas if you were an urban firefighter, you get to drive trucks, you get waves, you know, yeah. um, you get free coffees, your uniform's nice and clean, you know, occasionally you might get dirty, but you know, um, there's always someone taking photos and watching you, you know, why the hell would you want to be a rural firefighter? So, um, we've, you know, we've laughed about these things long and hard. Yeah. He flew over here because I'm in Brisbane. Uh, he flew over here when we had a, a fair few bushfires going on, and actually got to catch up with him. And uh, yeah, great so, guy. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, that Taranaki yeah. lifestyle, you know, that hunting, fishing, um, spearfishing lifestyle, it's still very much a part of the culture there. And I, I don't know, you'd have to say it's more of a rural lifestyle there in Taranaki in general. The big cities, what New Plymouth, with sixty thousand people. Yeah, you know, we're a provincial town on the edge of nowhere. Um, you don't go through Taranaki, you come to Taranaki, you know. Yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah, the, in, in that aspect, it escapes all the um, the major tourist trails, uh, you know, from Auckland right down to Queenstown. Mm. Um, but what it has going for it is um, it's an amazing place, you know. Um, and as you know, when it's good, it's all on. It's amazing. But when it's crap, it's freaking crap, you yeah. know. <laughs> You know, I came back from the tropics one year and I swear there was cats and dogs flying across the screen because the weather was so bad. And I said to my wife, that's it, no more. We've got to spend the rest of our lives, uh, the winters over in the Pacific, you know. So, but, you know, having said that, we've been here for a long time now, you know. So Tran, it's Tran, the name is, is it Vietnamese? That's correct. Yep, Vietnamese, yep. Uh, Refugee background. Uh, We came from a long line of fishermen, 
you know, uh, that that in itself is a pretty cool story. We might have to share over a beer one time. Yeah, hundred uh, yeah, percent. I'm yeah. game. So, so you grew up in Taranaki? Did you go to school there? No, I didn't grow up here. I grew up um, over in Hawke's Bay. It's a Hawke's Bay boy, um, you know, uh, down to Otago University, and and then just worked. Uh, worked around a lot, um, you know. We Bill and I had, you know, we had kids really young, and, and we weren't qualified, and we were, you know, always, um, always on the back foot. And so uh, we travelled a lot for work, and then, uh, yeah, yeah, it's always it was interesting. You know, our kids moved around a lot. So you're in your mid to late forties now. Like, what are you doing? Are you working full time with photography and stuff? Or what's the story? Yeah, I, I, I sort of, um, if you ask me what I'm doing, or if you ask my wife what I'm doing, she tells me it's not a fucking hell of a lot. Um, <laughs> but if you ask me, I'm, I'm busy. Yes, I'm, I'm so busy, man. Uh, you know. Uh, no, so somewhere along the line, um, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, after I left the fire service, I had a, um, a five way heart bypass, mm. and so um, you know, they ended up. You know, cutting my leg open, cutting my arms open uh, to get veins, and then they cut me open and, and put five um, by, um, bypasses in. And wow. so um, that, that took me out for a long time. And but because I was stubborn, I forced. I the only thing I could lift was a cup of coffee and, and maybe my camera. So I sort of forced myself to get up every morning, grab my coffee and grab my camera and go for a walk and and, and taught myself how to um, take photos properly. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. And and so from there, um, you know, along with um, our support of our amazing sponsors and um, and the opportunities just came, you know, thick and fast. So now we do product photography, underwater photography, um, just working with a, a big healthcare provider now. Um, yeah, so – and then having that, you know, we're, we're sort of um, – finishing off our uh, skipper's ticket and so we've been working offshore uh, from commercial fishing right through to um, to uh, the petroleum industry off the coast here. Yep, yep. So, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I was, I was kind of worried after I left the fire service because, you know, it was an amazing job, amazing job and uh, amazing lifestyle. Um, but, um, yeah, I was kind of worried. But then, you know, when you open yourself up to uh, the universe as such, um, opportunities you know, come flowing and uh, you just got to make the most of it. Mm. So you, yeah. you're a bit of a brand ambassador for catch fishing, splash dive and Atlantis dive. Is that, is that, have I got yeah, my information? Yeah. And, uh, and also the New Zealand um, section of Rob Allen as well, which okay. is, you know, bulletproof stuff, you know, oh, 100%. Like, like, you know, it's, it's, I'm not saying this cause I am, uh, you know, I love the gear. It's just that, you know, when we were on the yacht for months and months um, around barrier and the top of the North Island and stuff, we come off um, out of the water. We put the gear on the deck, and then it stays there. <laughs> it stays there, and and it doesn't get washed. It doesn't get clean. As long as it stays under the sun, I, I grab it the next time, and it just keeps working. You know, yeah. and um, so someone who um, who trials it like I do, it, it's good stuff. You know, yeah. So I call it the Toyota of spearfishing. It's just like it is, and yeah, totally. Like obviously it undergoes r- rigorous testing, but they've just got something special out of the dive factor. I think like um, you know, arguably there's lots more equipment coming out around the market everywhere that's that's been impressive. But Rob Allen's consistently yeah. been at the cutting edge for a, a, a number of years. So yeah, yeah, solid gear. Like I said, we just throw it in the back of the camper or the yeah. yacht. <laughs> Next time I go looking for it, it's still there. Yeah, it still it. works. And I'm like, man, that is amazing, you know? So, yeah. So some of your photography, I mean, people can check it out on oceanprotagonist.com or, or go to Instagram and check out tran.lawrence. But, like, um, you've been 
steadily seems like improving. Uh, you've also got a bit of a YouTube channel there as well. I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about that. So it's uh, Oha Moana. Is that a, a sort of a takeaway of Aroha Moana or something? Yeah, it's it's interesting. We, you know, um, years ago we were um, we decided to, to to purchase a yacht. And uh, myself and my daughter were just going to sail around and do the fishing and diving thing. And um, so um, Splash Dive was, um, you know, came along and they were so happy to, to support us on that. And so they, they sponsored us. Um, and so um, myself and my daughter, we, we did a lot of diving and, and, and whatnot um, off the yacht um, in a lot of places around New Zealand. But um, And so that's where the channel came from. And Oha Moana met... Um, a love of the sea, yeah. Um, both giving and receiving from the sea, and um, yeah, and then. But unfortunately, with uh, kids, they they grow up and and then they have to do the school thing and then the university thing, and so it sort of just fell way to the side. Yeah. Um, but I I use it as like uh, most I guess most of people do that. I use it as a visual diary to look back and say, wow, man. That was so. That was such a cool time with the kids and, and the sailing and and, and, the, and the fishing and stuff. So, um, I certainly don't um, regret it. And when I see it pop up, I think, God, man, I remember that day. That was amazing, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. So, S- sailing around New Zealand must have been challenged because, like, um, New Zealand's, you know, suffers inclement weather a lot of the time, and we've got some rugged coastline there, particularly like the west coast. Uh, of New Zealand there like it's pretty rough at times and you got Cook Strait I mean all, all parts of it like subject to massive winds and storms and stuff um, learning to did you learn to sail in that part of the world um, you know like years ago I would I would always step on a yacht and I'd always get confused you know fucking you know people used to call the ropes sheets and sails um, you know sheets and, and ropes and cleats and you know and you look around and go what the hell you know this, why do you need so much you know on, on a yacht yeah. um, and then I said to myself no I, I never want to step on a place where um, I didn't know what was going on so um, I kind of taught myself to um, to sail and then I, I talked myself into um, uh, a, a few trips across the Pacific. So, and then, um, you know, and then word between the skippers um, got passed around that, you know, hey, you know, this guy wasn't uh, a complete wacko. He's happy to learn. He's, he's competent and blah, blah, blah. And then we just got invitations um, on delivery crews. And so, last few years, we've sailed quite a few yachts across to, uh, the Pacific, you know, Tahiti, Fiji, all those places. Yeah, and and I suppose that's that's where my love of the Pacific came came through. You know, everywhere we went was in the Pacific. You know, um, once you get out of the major um, towns, um, it starts at amazing and goes up from there. Every bay <laughs> you go into is like, oh man, I can't believe this is better than the last bay. You know, yeah. when you look at uh, you know the 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 Hapai group uh, over in Tonga, um, you look at Bavao, you look at um, the, um, was it um, the Yasawas in Fiji? I mean. It just goes on to amazing, you know, and yeah. so, yeah, and that's where we we, we um, just fell in love with the area. I love that fell in love with the people. Um, of course, the spear fishing and all those sort of things, and and the way they really respect the fish. You know, it wasn't, uh, you know, they they really cherished the fish because it was a, it was a food supply. It was a genuine food supply. It wasn't like oh, we'll come back to it later when it's nice and baked in the sun type thing. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so yeah. So spear fishing. I mean, where did where did that come from? Where did that start? So you you were you growing up there in uh, Hawke's Bay, you said, wasn't it? Yeah. That- um, 
to be honest, it, it, it started quite late in life, and I kind of wished um, I had started earlier. Um, when I was at high school, my mate's father used to go spearfishing off Fidanaki, and um, he used to catch. He used to. I, I used to see him shoot. You know, four or five moki that were like 10 to 15 kilos hanging off his belt. And uh, I thought, God, what kind of idiot does that? Why would you want to shoot a fish like that for? You know? Yeah. And it wasn't until fucking 10, 15 years later, I thought, man, I, I wish I'd started earlier. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like, see, we, we just started with um, in the love of the ocean, really. Um, so, and I think, sorry. So where did you start? Which did you jump into the uh, beach with a mate, or I mean, what made you get in? Look, to be honest, I think it just—I kind of probably osmosis into it. Really, I, I can't remember when I first started. Um, I can't remember what we did, but one of the one of the things I do remember is um, just walking out to some of the rocks off um, Fidanaki there and picking up mussels at low tide and, and maybe sticking my head in, and then the old corrugated iron sheet um, on the on the fire. When, yeah. and, and and I suppose it's 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 pretty much. That's, that's my earliest memories of actually in, in New Zealand of doing that. Um, and But like I said, you know, we, we grew up in a, a refugee camp over in Malaysia, off the coast of Malaysia on one of the islands there. And uh, I spent my childhood, you know, in and out of the water and all the lagoons and, and um, oh, wow. all those sort of things. So, yeah, I think we just kind of osmosis into it, really. Can you remember like a, you know, like a moment? In your spearfishing, where you sort of thought, "Yeah, this is me. This is for me." To be honest, I think every moment's like that for me. I, I love it, you know, like from from just slipping into a wet, you know, from stopping the boat and looking around and going, "Wow, this is absolutely amazing." To to, to having a laugh, getting getting your gear on, um, things you've forgotten, <laughs> someone's left a wave out behind, um, you know, someone's left, a, you know, having all their fins or flippers, you know, it's, it's, it can be a mess some days, but it's all amazing, you know, and then when you get into the water, it's it just goes to another level, and um, I think for me, it's, it's uh, and I think I might, this might be true for a lot of our spirits is um, it's that connection with uh, the sea, you know, in our, in our everyday life, um, it gets pretty busy, you know, pretty hectic, you know, like as a firefighter, you know, we've been to some pretty horrific stuff. And, um, you know, and for me personally, I used to crave the sea, you know, like if we, if I had had a really bad night where we attended some really shit jobs, I'd text my wife and, and, and tell her that I was going for a surf you know, or, or or swim or something. And she would get it. She would instantly know that I needed to um, get in the water, you know, reconnect, um, let the sea wash all that, uh, that, that that grime, that mental grime, that physiological grime away, you know, um, psychological grime away from, from, you know, attending suicides or car crashes or, you know, just it just goes on. And so, you know, she knew that it was going to be bad. If I went for a surf, <laughs> she was like, oh, I said a rough night, you know. Yeah, but yeah. after a surf or a swim or something, you know, that, that connection with the sea, you know, you feel so much better again, you know. And, yeah. and I think as, as spear fishermen, I think that's what we all crave for. It's it's not about the amount of fish you catch. It's not the things you kill. It's not the things you take. It's it's that connection with the sea. It's the feel of the ocean and, and, the, and the amazing energy that it's been around for millions of years type thing. Yeah, and, and so that's for, that's for me. Every moment is, is, is amazing. You know? Noob, it's good news. Did you know that every pair of penetrator fins receives a protective layer of Kevlar 49 multi-axial reinforcement? Can you even know what that means? It means that it prevents chips and cracking. It means you're going to get longevity. 
out of your fins. And that's exactly what you need when you're spending some dollars on some good fins. Visit penetratorfins.com, get yourself a pair of reinforced, super tough fins with beyond industry warranty at penetratorfins.com. Use the code NoobSpirit to save $25 on any pair of penetrator blades. That's right, use the code NoobSpirit to save $25 on any pair of blades at penetratorfins.com. Trek dude, you're killing it on the Noob Spiro podcast. Every guest you get on froths on the Spearing lifestyle, and the actionable info is off the chain. Over here at uh, Spearing Magazine HQ, it's the same, buddy. So many noobers are submitting their adventures, lessons learned, and pictures here at SpearingMagazine.com. I just wanted to say that noobers can get an international subscription at SpearingMagazine.com. Also, they can uh, check out our In the Face Apparel or get a subscription to the greatest Spearing Magazine on the planet. That's all right here at SpearingMagazine.com. I am Jeremy Gamble, and uh, man, I love the Noob Spiro podcast. This is Jeremy out. I just love a functional and simple spear gun that I can trust when I pull the trigger. Killshot spear guns utilize the finest of kiln-dried Burmese teak. Killshot spear guns also combine American-made parts and fine craftsmanship to bring you accurate, reliable, and simple spear guns that you can trust fish after fish. Get $30 off any Killshot spear gun at killshotspearguns.com. Yes and amen, Uber. That's $30 off American-made performance spear guns at killshotspearguns.com I'm really sorry for this terrible accent brought to you by Ed Martin at killshotspearguns.com So like one thing I was, uh, that comes through in some of your photography is uh, those iconic scenes off Back Beach and the Sugarloaf Islands there um Paratutu and some of the other ones there. Yeah, you're homesick, mate. Yeah, I do. I do get a bit homesick when I look at some of your photos. I'm like, ah, it's such a beautiful place. Like, um, yeah. And, and I mean, when you get ocean conditions that are nice, which isn't all the time off Taranaki, let's be honest, yeah. it's a special yeah. experience. Like, I diving some of the reefs off Partier in particular, like just beautiful reefs. So hard mm. to get in when the water's clean, though. Oh. And, and and that's what makes this place special, you know. A lot of people come here and they see the coast of shit and they see the waves and swell and whatnot and they just get put off by it. But for those who live here, you know, there's these amazing windows right through the year, you know, from midwinter dives to, uh, you know, our summers. I mean, for the last two weeks, it's been crystal clear out there. The viz has been amazing. I mean, you, you would have seen everyone posting great photos of, um, of you know, uh, catches and stuff. Um, yeah, so... Um, it's, it's, it's what they say, you know, when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's bad. <laughs> so, yeah. you've, you've got a bit of an article up on oceanprotagonist.com about um, catching kingies. Uh, yeah. Uh, from what I sort of got into there, you, you're, you're saying a lot of it comes down to finding structure with your electronics and, uh, and and paying attention to sort of what's happening on the sounder. Is that is that right? Oh, yes, yep. And, and, and you know, like I said, combining what uh, you see on the sounder with the ability to go down for a dive and then comparing the two gives you a greater depth of knowledge. I mean, you look at the sounder and you think, oh, what the hell is that? But then when you jump over and swim down, you think, ah, yep, that's, that's a five-meter pinnacle with a ledge. So that's what it looks like on, on my sounder. So next time I see something like that, I can uh, safely, um, you know, assume that it's going to be a pinnacle with a you know, ledge, blah, blah, blah. And then and you get down there and you look around and then there's kingies swimming around. You're like, 
a jackpot, you know. It's yeah. just, <laughs> and then of course you mark it, and then you know, um, yeah, you know, it's 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 like I suppose um, just just honing your trade, really. You know, just um, yeah, just getting used to the equipment and, and and making the most out of it. Yeah. Sometimes with with fishing, spearfishing, um, gathering seafood or kaimana there, like. Wherever you are in, in different parts of the world, sometimes people seem to be overtaken by almost like a scarcity mindset where they just, like, they get their two days at the ocean every year or holidays or whatever it is, and then they seem to want to go in and just take as much as they can. Like, have you seen that? I mean, can you speak to that sort of situation? It is, it is, it is a really interesting debate. And, uh, well, it's a, it's a big issue at the moment because, um, you know, like, Taranaki are so, you know, the people from Taranaki are so proud of this region. It's incredible, you know. You, everywhere I go, if you're from Taranaki, say, like, hey, bro, you know, oh, blah, 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 and you start instant. It's instant. It's like, whereas if, you know, you go away and you talk to someone, they go, like, oh, where are you from? I'm from Auckland. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um, yeah, oh, you sort of move away and talk to someone else, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, they're so, so proud of this region. And, of course, when they see – when they see out-of-towners and foreigners um, come in, in busloads and, and walk along the foreshore, um, um, walk along the foreshore, you know, and, and pick up a lot of stuff, um, of course they're going to get really upset. Uh, um, but, you know, we've, we're kind of it's, – it's, it's really controversial at the moment, and I kind of see both sides of it. Like, mm. you know, you know, you know the, the people that are here at the moment aren't tourists. You know, they actually live here, and, and some of them are probably dating back to the the, the, the gold mining generation. You know, so they're, they're here; they've been here for a long time. But just because they look different, we, we instantly assume that they're, uh, they're foreigners. You know, mm-hmm. and that gets the uh, the people, um, you know, very upset. Um, and of course, different cultures. You know, like you know, not a lot of people here eat um, periwinkle kibbles and, and uh, cat's eyes and, and uh, you know the, the little stuff mm. you know because uh, you know we, we sort of t- tend to take the powers and uh, kinners and um, crayfish and all those sort of things you know um, and then you know we and then um, we post these amazing pictures on Instagram and social media so you know and so everyone sees you know if these jokers down in Tanamaki are having it this good why can't we have some, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we, 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 you know, the social media sort of, um, could you blame them? You know, like if, <laughs> if yeah, for example, yeah. you know, could you blame them? I mean, if we posted, you know, beautiful crayfish pics, uh, you know, every day, you know, someone's going to go, hey, we, we should come to Taranaki, you know, or sorry, Taranaki, you know. Uh, and so it is really hard at the moment. And, of course, you know, the local Tangata Whenua are really upset because they see busloads of people come up. And, um, and 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 take uh, buckets and buckets, um, and what and the, you know and what you're saying is an interesting point too because I mean the, the the locals will go down and they've got access to the beach 365 days of the year, you know, and then uh, but these people from out of town they might be here for a week, you know, and so if you actually um, even out what the take is, mm. it's, it's not that you know it's not that big, yeah. If you, if you, where it coming coming from in that way we see it everywhere in sort of life like it's a bit of human nature like even at the supermarkets here at the moment there's a bit of a there's some supply chain issues with you know just the amount of people that are off work because of covid and stuff so we're getting like you know shortages of meat and toilet paper and stuff and people just take or take take as much as they can and it's like like it's yeah. just that that scarcity mentality. Like, oh, if I don't take it, someone else will. So I'm just going to take everything I can, and it's kind of like a bit short sighted and a bit silly, really. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, it's 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 funny because um, we our family uh, we eat a lot of fish. Yeah, and a lot of it's all you know fish caught or spearfished, but we don't actually eat a lot of crayfish and parwas and all that. A lot of a lot of that um, we either give away as, uh, as thank yous or birthday presents. Really, yeah. uh, it's a, they make great birthday presents. You know, you <laughs> wake them in a paper bag and you, you drop one off and happy birthday, mate, and yeah. they're over the moon. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, and so, you know, for me, um, it's it's not about the, the takes. And, uh, you know, as, as you can see from our video clips and stuff, you know, we've seen some pretty plentiful, bountiful locations right through New Zealand. And if, if we were to take our limit every time we went, it would be absurd. Mm. You know, why would you do that? You know, um, there was no reason to. 100%. Yeah. Hey, Tran, have you introduced many people to spearfishing? Like as a, as oh, a lifestyle? Heaps. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about today because I've I've got a, a mate who's um, pushing sixty two. Never been snorkeling. Never been wow. snorkeling. But he sees me throw a couple of crayfish on the deck, and he's all excited. You know, like he's like, "I'm sixty two. I want a bit of this." You know? <laughs> um, yeah, and so you know, we we, we just got him a, a lovely uh, new Rob Allen wetsuit, um, some flippers, and you know, we're going to see if we can uh, get organised to just go out for a snorkel. Yeah. So he can, you know, you know, it's, you know, the usual thing. You go for a snorkel. His, his mask will fog up. He probably won't see anything. But you know, if he survives that trial of fire, then uh, you know, he'd fall in love with it. Do you think that's yeah. the the sort of the? Do you ever get him in the swimming pool first, or do you believe in the sort of the trial by fire? Yeah, I, I, I don't use. I have to admit, I don't train. I don't use the swimming pool. We just choose beautiful, flat, calm days and a, a really sheltered base. You know, you, you know, like. Having kids, you know, uh, you know, we, we realised our mistake years ago that you know you can't push kids into um, doing a lot of stuff. You have to go really slowly, and you know, I think our oldest is still uh, traumatised from all the caving and uh, abseiling and rock climbing and, and diving <laughs> that we used to do. You know, you know, seriously, she, you know, we we, we had an um, we did um, North and South magazine did an article um, on us many years ago and uh, they quoted my eldest daughter saying we were so poor we had to go rock climbing and kayaking for um, for entertainment <laughs> yeah, so, yeah we, were uh, that poor. We, were, we were that poor family that had to go kayaking <laughs> rock climbing. so uh, yeah and I, I kind of never forgot that and, and you know so so her life would have been, you know, her life was, probably would have been amazing, but also very scary because mum and dad, you know, used to go tramping in the snow and, and you know, kayak the Monganui River and all those sort of things. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember, like, growing up in Taranaki and my dad would be like, all right, uh, we're going to go climb the mountain on Saturday. Are you coming? And I was always like, no, I don't want to do that. That's boring. Yeah. You know, and, yep. and nowadays I look at it, back at it, and I go, what the hell was wrong with me? Like, some no, of the, totally such it. good experiences, yeah. like. Right on your back doorstep, you know, this, and you're not the only one. Like, there'll be hundreds, if not thousands, of people who live here every day, and uh, it would have never, never been on that mountain, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, when you're taking these people out and they, uh, they're out on these trial by fires, what sort of a, like, when you take your mate out, how are you going to sort of coach them through it, help them through it? Well, um, first of all, don't, don't give them a weight belt. That's the worst, worst thing you can do. Uh, yeah, just like I said, it's. I, I think when you first take them out, it's it's about installing that passion. It's about getting you know. It's about installing the passion and just having such a great experience. There's no nothing worse than going out and having a, a shite experience and just puts you off for life. So it's just a matter of floating around, introduce the fish, talk about kelp, maybe pick up a few things to show people, you know. And and I think 
and 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 leave it at that. You know, don't do the three four hours of the water hardcore stuff because you know no beginner is going to really want that. You know, so um, but yeah, it's about installing the passion, and uh, and then after that, I think for me personally, it's about installing uh, installing the uh, respect for the ocean. Uh, you know, n- never take more than you need, um, all those sort of things. And I think if we did that, uh, the education would flow uh, right through. Right. You know, um, and, and and you know, going back to what we were talking about before about foreigners coming down and taking a lot from the the shores. Um, you know, going down and, and, and having fisticuffs with them is, is not going to really be that beneficial. But if we start the education side of things. And saying, "Hey, bro, you know this is this is our you know this is our beach, you know this is our our area, you know, you know you're fine to come and have, and have a look and, and, and share some food with us, but there's no point you taking twenty liters, a twenty liter bucket of uh, cat's eyes home, you know, yeah. you know that type of thing, you know." Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I like it. Um, for you, like, what's a favorite species to hunt these days? Do you still go out and target anything deliberately? And not really, you know. Like, that's the thing is. Um, you know, years ago we used to because we we knew, we found out where the kingfish were. So every every day we every chance we got was like go go get a kingfish. And then and after a while I was like, you know what? I'm kind of sick of kingfish now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every, yeah. Time, every time you shoot one, it's like two weeks worth of food. You know. Yeah. So um, no, to be honest, we we go out expecting very little now, um, and I'm always pleasantly surprised what we find or what comes our way. Um, for example, a couple of weeks ago, we were in the, the Mercury Islands off uh, Coromandel there, and uh, we were in a, in a bay that had probably so many boats. You could walk from boat to boat, and uh, you know, without getting your feet wet, you know, that type of thing. Um, and uh, a mate said, "Look, go find some scallops." So I went and had a look. There's there no scallops. It was completely, completely, um, you know, um, devoid. Devoid of that sort of thing, but I thought I'll, I'll, I'll go and have a look around the and the points. And you know, I went around had a look around the points, and I I almost fell over um, when I saw uh, about maybe eighty to one hundred and twenty crayfish. Wow! Uh, yeah, and I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, this is one of the busiest places I've ever seen, and here we've still got uh, uh, you know uh, crayfish. Mm-hmm. And so I did a lot of filming, and, and some of them were amazing. Some of them were like the crayfish are only um, maybe four or five centimeters long. Um, but there were hundreds of them, and That's you know, awesome. they, you don't usually see that because they usually, um, you know, snap at hors d'oeuvres, you know, that's like <laughs> kind of sound, yeah, you know, the, yeah. the snappers line up for those guys, so you don't actually see them. So, to be able to see that, it was like, wow, you know, I've got it on film, I haven't loaded it up yet, but um, you know, to be able to see these little crayfish surviving in an area that was just completely, you uh-huh. know, uh, overpopulated was was pretty amazing, actually. And so, and I, and I was definitely not expecting that. As an as an older Spiro, like someone who's been around a little while, do you find your conservation mindset becoming more and more uh, prevalent? And do you sort of reflect on some of the things you've done? And like, I mean, h- how has your views? How have they changed? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. Um, you know, that's a bloody good question because I think you know we we need to ask ourselves that every every um, every few weeks because. Um, as I said here, we don't we don't do this for food anymore. You know, if, if you you know, we our food supply is guaranteed. If you're hungry, you've got chips, baked beans, toast, bread. You know, for a dollar, you can have a loaf of bread. You know, whereas when you actually think about it, why would you spend 50, 50 60 bucks on a mask, flippers, and fins, and, and and go find something if you're lucky? You know, so you know when you look at it, um, you know, for and another one is why would you spend fifty, sixty thousand on a boat just to go out and, and shoot a fish? 
it, it doesn't make sense, you know. Whereas, uh, you know, whereas now it's it's not about the um, things that you take. It's it's about that uh, that connection mm. uh, with the ocean, you know. And so, um, yeah, definitely, you know. And and I think that the sooner we come to the realization that uh, you know it's it's that connection that we crave, then the takes will go down. The amount of we the amount we take will go down, but the mental enjoyment um, and and the beauty of it will will go up. You know, so, so it's a different type of enjoyment. I mean, how many how many of us actually, you know, sit on the back of a boat or on a rock and just put our feet in the water, and yeah. just sit there and enjoy it? You know, it, it's 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 that simple. And you know, like I probably do that every single time, and I sit there and just think, man, I'm the luckiest guy alive because I'm about to get in the water. Yeah. You know, and, and 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 we forget how amazing that um, you know that that, that mental peace, um, you know, that, that mental health is for us. Yeah. I'm not sure if that makes sense. I've probably got a bit too far there, but nah, that, nah. that's from my perspective. I think that's that's, that's gold for me. I mean, that's, that's worth more than any anything I take out of the sea. No, I think that's what I always try and tap into is that 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 um, slowly earned knowledge and wisdom that that sparrows get after spending so much time in the water. And um, yeah, you've learned a, a number of lessons though. I really like how that Kiwi ingenuity, I guess you, the wine barrel smoker video. I want to watch that the other day because I've recently taken to smoking fish and I really loved your super cheap adaptation on an old wine barrel and turning it into a smoker. Oh, gold, gold. I mean, we've had that wine barrel has, you know, cause when you go, when you go and buy a, a metal smoker, you might get a season out of it. You know, mm. you might get, maybe if you're lucky, it burns to rust, you know, it, it, it rusts, it burns. And then you've got a whole lot of silt and, a whole lot of stuff dropping on your food and stuff. Whereas the, the wine barrel, I think, cost me, I think, about 40 bucks at the time. And um, it's been there for maybe 12, 15 years now. And wow. it's still there. It's still wow. there, you know, like, and you can cold smoke or yep. you can hot smoke, you know, like, yeah, if you want a quick, dirty hot smoke, crank up the heat, walk away for 15, 15 minutes, come back, it's all done. And if, but if you want a long, slow smoke, turn the heat right down. And then just keep an eye on it for the next, you know, six, seven hours. So, you know, it's 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 good, yeah. So that's that's how you define the difference between a hot and a cold smoke is just purely on how much temp you're putting into your barrel. Yeah, and and the duration. Yeah. The duration, yeah, yeah. Like some you know, and, and you know, I've got a mate who, who for example for some reason he loves smoking Marcos. Yeah. And so every yeah. time we go fishing, it's like, let's go, let's go catch a Marco. And I'm like, man, I'm not catching a Marco. If a Marco comes on this boat, we're all gonna be jumping out of the boat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Marco yeah. sharks in New Zealand are a lot more prevalent than they are in other parts of the world, but would you still say that they are like abundant? Not really. To be honest, I mean, the last couple of years we've seen so many sharks now, and I'm not sure, you know, some it depends on which um, side of the fence you talk uh, mm-hmm. on. You may be, you know, like you could say it's greenhouse gases and, you know, all those sort of things. So it could be the way that we're, we're um, you know, disposing our waste. It could be food shortage. It could be any numerous things. But um, for the last few years we've, we've managed to um, capture some amazing, amazing footage of bronze whalers and marcos and blues and stuff and we see them more and more now so um, mm. you know like I dived in uh, New Plymouth for many many years never saw a bronzy until mm. two summers ago when uh, we, I, I shot a, um, a kingfish and uh, a bronzy came up and just bit in half and I was like that is rude you know you're <laughs> meant to be on the east coast and, and blue clean water on the other side of the island what are you doing here you know yeah. so yeah, yeah definitely see a lot more now I mean if you look at um, 
on some of the Taranaki community fishing pages, they've been filming big Marcos swimming off South Taranaki, you know. So, um, yeah, you know, there's, there's certainly a lot more of them. Mm. How or why or what, I don't know. I remember years and years ago when I lived there and they got a big great white in the Pātea River and it swam up there and spent a couple of days up there and people were just buzzing out trying to go down and, and have a look at wow. it. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I think eventually it got out of there again, but um, I still remember that from when I was a bit younger. The Fishing Trips app allows you to find new people who are interested in going spearfishing. So you can go for a trip together. It's a great way to make friends and get some extra trips. If you are looking to get out on boats, if you're in an isolated part of the area where you don't have a spearfishing club and you still want to find a dive buddy and dive safer and smarter, download the Fishing Trips app. It's available on iOS or Android. Download it today. The Fishing Trips app will help you connect with your next best spearfishing buddy. Fishing Trips app. Download on iOS or Android today. In the world of freedive spearfishing, there's no magic breathing technique that's all of a sudden going to get you down and shoot massive fish at depth and holding big bottom times but there is a way to do it safer and smarter take down more fuel to maximize the time that you have there learn at noobspiro.com forward slash ted with ted hardy from immersion freediving if you take down more fuel you can stay for longer learning to take a bigger breath is not such a big deal ted breaks it down for you with a free online course at noobspiro.com forward slash ted take down 20 to 30 percent more air just by learning how to take a full breath again Learn how to do it free at noobspiro.com forward slash TED. Great news, guys. Adam Stern has made his freedivingfamily.com courses available at a discount for the Noob Spiro community. If you get on freedivingfamily.com, use the code SPIRO, you'll get 20% off any course. There's a bunch of sick courses on there. There's an equalizing uh, stage one. There's an equalizing advanced techniques um, video there. They're two of my absolute favorites. If you have any problems with equalizing, go to freedivingfamily.com, get Adam's course and use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com. Man, you love to cook, and one of the dishes I was looking at was uh, a grapefruit marinade crispy skin grilled gurnard. You said it's probably one of the easiest things you can cook in the world. I'd love for you to walk walk me through how to make that. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because you know, like being Vietnamese, we love our fish and we love our cooking, and uh, and but living around here with um, with Tananaki farmers who don't eat anything unless it's filleted, <laughs> deboned, cooked and, and landed on a plate. You know, it, it can be quite uh, quite trying some days. And, you know, like a lot of the goodness in fish is in the skin. Mm. And whereas here in New Zealand, first thing we do is catch it, fillet it, throw the skin, the carcass away, you know, whereas the rest of the world, you know, there's no such thing as filleting. Mm. You know, we, if you fillet someone, they'd slap you in the rest of the world. Why are you wasting my fish? <laughs> you know, you fill it in the islands, they would look at you and probably, you know, deport you from <laughs> sacrilege. You know, yeah. but in New Zealand, unless it's filleted, um, and, uh, you know, I have to admit, it is a convenience factor. Filleting is about convenience. Uh, unless it's filleted, you know, and a lot of people, you know, there's lots of times where I've tried to get fish away. And the first thing they ask me is, is it filleted, mate? You know, and I'm like, no. Oh, no, no, I don't want it then. <laughs> so, what? Yeah, it's like, you're really serious, you know? So, yeah, that's we like to, you know, um, as you fill it the gurnard, and I always feel bad and 
terrible filleting a guna because there's so much waste. You know, it's like you get a guna and you whip two fillets off and you look at what you're throwing away and it's like, man, that's that's wrong. And then, but uh, but if you do just give uh, give the guna sides a quick scale because they've got tiny little scales and, and a little bit of slime, give them a quick uh, rub with a knife, give them a, um, a fillet um, and then basically just um, lay them down meat side down in a tray uh, and then just uh, pour a little bit of uh, orange juice in and sprinkle the top with um, some rock salt and then just throw it under the grill and it's amazing it's quick and easy the skin crispies up like like chips it's so crispy it's mm. it's amazing and the citrus gets into the uh into the meat of the gurnard and it's it's amazing it's so simple um Sounds it's a no-brainer yeah yeah sounds yum and it's just a a novel and different way to eat like um kind of a version on a cured fish i guess but uh yeah, that sounds interesting. So you can use grapefruit or orange? Yep, yep. Just any citrus in there. It's nice and easy, like I said. And, and to be honest, once you do that and the skin crispies up with the rock salt and the pepper, delicious. First thing you do is peel the skin off and eat it. If I did it to you, I guarantee 99% of everyone that's eaten it, first thing, the thing they do is peel the skin off and eat it and just go, wow, the skin's amazing. So it reminds me of that dish in um, the tropics, you know, when they catch a coral trout. Yeah. They take the skin off and then they slice it into strips and then they deep fry the skin mm. and uh, they use it as uh, like beer nibbles. Yep, yum. Uh, yeah, 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 delicious. You know, oh, it's like, yeah. hey, this, you know, no waste. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I think um, like there's a, a couple of cool groups in New Zealand that are helping Kiwis get out of the – because I think – and I think this is every country, like a lot of westernized countries, we're just uncomfortable with using more of the animal, whether it's on land or in the sea. But, like, there's that free fish heads group uh, in New Zealand on social media. They've been connecting people that just want to knock the fillets off with everyone else because a lot of people yep. make awesome stocks and stuff with the frames. Oh, and, mate, yeah, yeah exactly. Um to be honest, I think, you know, it's that convenience thing. You know, we live in a world that uh, we want everything to be convenient and uh, fish, unfortunately, aren't that convenient, you know, because they've got scales, they've got spikes, and they're a freaking pain in, to pr- pain in the backside to process, you know. So people like to uh, – and, yeah, so that's there's a convenience factor, you know. It's, it's plain and simple. Um, and then people moan that it's 50 bucks a kilo. It's like <laughs> – uh, don't complain to me about the fillets being 50 bucks a kilo. If you're complaining, you should go catch your own fish and eat the whole damn fish. Yeah. We're seeing more of these restaurants now where people are more involved in the process of cooking and preparing the food. I'd like to see that with with some fish because I think, um, A, more of the fish will get used and, and B, maybe more of the local, more sustainable type species will get used rather than just importing, you know, whatever fish it is from whatever country because it's popular. You know, like yes, um, yeah, so yeah. like I totally agree. In New Zealand, we um, import basa uh, for our fish and chips now from Vietnam, mm. and uh, I've seen where basa grow. And I'm thinking, I'm telling you now, you don't want to import basa. Yeah. <laughs> so, whereas you know, it's it's, a, it's 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 kind of like you're serious. We live on a beautiful island surrounded by fish, but we have to import basa from Vietnam to, to, as fish and chips. It's mm. like where where does that make sense? Well, you see a lot of flake. You know, like, uh, and that was mostly basking sharks, as far as I'm aware, which were like in huge numbers and are like a really well fished uh, sort of resource. Now, I don't think there's any demand from it due to the way sharks are perceived as potential like um, food source. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, we used to, yeah, it used to be shark and tatey. You know, mm. shark and tatey was standard and it was cheap, easy feed. But now, you know, um, I was down uh, off Stewart Island, um, down Bluff. Um, 
commercial fishing down there yeah. and taking photos of some amazing um, sea life down there. And a piece of blue cod down there was $9.10 for a piece of blue cod. Um, wow. you know, and I'm like, there's heaps of them just right on your doorstep, but they were $9.10. And that's <laughs> the most expensive fish I've ever seen in, in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Makes you think, doesn't it? There, there's some really cool um, uh, organisations and individuals going out and hand-catching fish or spearing individual fish at the request of um, patrons and, and restaurant um, customers. And I think that's amazing. I mean, geez, I'd love to. Um, I think there's, there's an outfit called Gravity Fishing that does that down the coast, uh, down Bluff. Okay. Um, I think that'd be amazing for you to do a podcast with men, um, you know, just their philosophies on, on, on everything. And I think that'd be amazing. I'd, I'd love to spend some time uh, just as a camera crew for uh, for uh, to, to document the um, – the process on which uh, the restaurant requests fish and then go out on the boat, hunt the fish, gather the fish, and then it goes back and then, you know, having it cooked and then presented to the people that are, uh, who, who really value it yeah, because, yeah. you know, they're paying top dollar yeah. uh, for fish that aren't um, commercially um, hammered, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Really, really cool. Do you, do you enjoy the process of hunting fish, like some of the more cagier like harder to hunt fish? Um, definitely, you know, part of part of this, that's, you know, you, you know, it's the hunt together in all of us, you know, we, we that's why we take spear guns, you know, we, we, it's very hard to resist, you know, like, um, and <laughs> I was, as I said to you, I was um, over in the uh, the Mercs, uh, the great uh, Mercury Islands a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I jumped off the boat and my mate said, oh, I love some kinners, can you go with kinners? I said, yeah, not a problem. And I thought, I'll, I'll take my spear gun. And then I said to him, look, um, do you guys eat kingfish? And they said, no, no, we don't eat kingfish. I said, oh, that's cool. I won't bother shooting any kingfish, uh, you know. So first thing, I jumped in the water. I'm surrounded by kingfish. And I'm like, <laughs> you're serious? You know, because – and these are all like 15, 20 kilos. So I'm like, I worked that out. That's going to take us probably a week to eat, yeah. um, and, you know, and being on a, on a boat, the fridge is tiny, blah, blah, blah. So it was a huge um, self-control thing not to shoot one – uh, for social media or anything like that. It was like, we don't need it. I'll just go get the kidders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I was like, oh, you know. So, yeah, no, definitely the, the hunter instinct is is, is, um, is is there. You know, like setting a burly and, and, and watching the snapper come in and uh, picking off a lovely big snapper, you know, like it's 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 amazing, you know. It's, it's yeah. What was the well, last – can you – what was the last memorable snapper you shot? Um. I remember. I remember a lot of the snappers swimming past. <laughs> I remember uh, scaring a lot of big snapper. I think it was um, around, I think out um, Great Barrier Island there. Yeah, out in Barrier, there's, there's so many of them, and uh, out there it's amazing because they um, they sit in the weeds. Like you'll you'll see a big beautiful weed bed, you know, swaying in the current, and then you'll see a hole or a gap in the weed. And uh, a lot of the time, that's where the, the snapper uh, are sitting there waiting for something to swim past, and they dart out and, and smash it. And I distinctly remember one time I was um, spearfishing with a mate, and I said to him, oh, there's a hole there. I'll go and have a look there. Maybe some piles are crazy in it. So I put my spear gun on top of the rock, dove down, and I dove down there, and I, I shit you not, there was um, – and I, I, my friend can attest this because he saw them smoking the tails out of there. Um, I dove down, and there's eight sets of eyes looking at me, 
and each one of those fish would have been 20 to 25 pound snapper. They were massive. It was a super awkward moment where it was like, <laughs> I'm staring at them, they're staring at me, I'm inching back trying to get my spear gun, they're figuring out what they're going to do, and next minute one takes off, next one takes off, next one takes off, and I'm like, ah, oh, you know. And then, you know, I swimming back to my um, – swimming back to, to get my gun and, and running out of here and coming up to my mate. And so I said, did you see that? Did you see that? And we both looked down and this monster snapper just comes out of the hole that we're in and just cruises past us. <laughs> like, you know what? Yeah. So, uh, you know, ever since then, I always look for the little breaks in the weed beds and always look for little holes and because I know that there's always going to be something hiding in there. Yep. Um, you know, just wait for an opportunity to snake out and get something. So always, always, always look at you. Yeah. Your connection with the ocean, I mean, we kind of alluded to it earlier. Um, one of the other things that I read about in your blog was creativity and being an outlet towards healing and staying positive and things like that. Um, speak to that and how that ties in with your photography. I mean, and then I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey to learning how to do underwater photography. You know, like it's it's, it's super interesting, that creativity one, because I think you know, we're all creative. Um, we just haven't found it. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm not creative at all. But um, then I see them do something absolutely amazing. And I'm thinking the way you look at creativity may be different from what you think it is. Uh, because, you know, when you think about it, you know, when you're when you're a kid, you, you've got a box of crayons and some pen and pencils. You, do you worry about Instagram likes? Do you worry <laughs> about anyone else, what they think? Do you compare yourself with, you know, Da Vinci or anybody else? No, you just you just get in there and you just draw and it could be anything, you know. And um, and, and you, whether you draw, paint, sketch, dance, sing, you do it naturally as kids. And then as you get older, uh, life starts hitting you in the head and then you start comparing yourself and you start seeing these you know, Instagrammers who've got 20 million followers because they can they can do, a, you know, something amazing. And then that sort of knocks the confidence back. And then your creativity gets knocked further and further back. And then one day you just don't do anything at all. Mm. And uh, and so, you know, and what I was trying to get through in, in, that, um, in that little blog was, you know, start with something you used to love doing. You know, whether it was sketching, charcoal, pastels, paint, just to start. Because once you start, you know, uh, you, you may rekindle that creativity again. And creativity comes in so many um, forms. You know, it, it may be, you know, I've got a friend who's a meticulous spear fisherman, and his creativity is is, is designing better better equipment. Um, you know, stowing, stacking, traveling. <laughs> His life is spearfishing. And so his creativity goes all into that, you know, from the way he uh, he, he ties his floppers back. So when the, the floppers hit, they always hit and it opens and all those sort of things. So, and then, you know, and then, you know, um, as I said, everyone is creative. It's just a matter of um, us losing that fear, uh, that fear of um, judgment mm. and just doing it, you know, and it's amazing. Yeah. Does, that, does it get harder as you get older? Oh, yeah. You know, like, to be honest, one of my worst fears is actually um, as I get older, my world grows smaller because I see um, I see a lot of people, you know, um, as they get older, the, the world gets very narrow and gets very small. And, and it's something I said to myself, I, I never want to be like that, you know. Um, and, and that's how I felt my world with uh, as a firefighter was. You know, I was like, I'm driving trucks. We've attended so many crazy calls, you know, all those sort of things. And I said, well, is this me for the next 15, 20 years? You know, uh, because, you know, we had this amazing 
um, opportunity uh, outside the fire service to go fishing and diving and, and all those sort of things. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's something maybe, you know, it, it's along the same question uh, of what you asked before about, um, you know, how, how do we see ourselves um, uh, as we get older, you know, with our conservation towards the, the sea and the environment. I think we also need to see ourselves as where we are in the world as well. You know, like, um, am I happy with being this for, for the next 40, 50 years? Or would I like to do something that's, that, that's kind of cool or, or follow a passion or, or follow a bit of creativity? Um, yeah. As you're talking, I'm sort of thinking like there's a biological urge towards safety and security. And I think as you get older, it's it's considered more and more, I guess, correct to honour that instinct and to, you know, um, secure yourself a decent financial future and all that sort of stuff and stability, security for your family. But then I think it, it does, it pushes out some of these other urges that we have, like to be creative, to explore new ideas and ways of doing things and to, um, like you say, to, to even just be able to sit there objectively and consider what your take is on the world and your impact on it. Questions you need to ask yourself, you know, like we, we do get really busy. Everyone mm. putting kids busy with, you know, bills, mortgages, kids, wife, you know, all those sort of things, you know. And um, you, you're right because, um, you know, like we've, we're renting our house out. Uh, we've got a, we're doing up a camper and then we're going to take off for six months. Um, and, you know, for us, that's, 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 that's a stage in life. But for a lot of people, they think we're mad. You know, they're like, <laughs> why the hell would you do that? You guys got a nice house, you, you know, in a lovely area. Why would you do that? You know, and uh, I kind of think to myself, well, you know, we we would like to do that, and uh, you know, and, and the other question is, why not? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, with everything going on with your COVIDs and and you know everything else, it's like, are you going to lock yourself up in your house for the rest of your life, or you're actually just going to go and enjoy it? You know? Have you ever read the Four Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss? I have heard of it, but no, I haven't. Oh. Yeah, no, I haven't. It's yeah. an interesting idea and it parallels with some of our conversation today. Like I think for me, one thing I got out of it was this idea of like um, that old American dream of like, you know, working to 60 or 65 and then retiring and, you know, like going around in a camper van or whatever for the rest of your life with, you know, what's left of your health and all the rest of it. Like that that's kind of dreams going these days. And in this book he sort of – he just challenges a lot of orthodoxy that we have in our lives and some of the logic and wisdom that we think that we live by. And one of the things he, he talks about is these mini vacations, which is basically just like taking six months and going in a camper van and doing a bit of a travel, not putting it off until you're old and sick and, you know, can't enjoy it as much. So it's cool. I was just thinking. Oh, totally. No, I mean, I don't know how everyone else feels about this, but I'd, I'd, I'd love to think that we get another shot at this. Mm. I'd, I'd love to think we get another shot at this and, and maybe do all the things that we didn't get right, but yep. I doubt it. So you might as well um, make the most of what you got now. Um, <laughs> big yeah, questions you know, today, big philosophical ones. Yeah, it just but having said that, you know, like I think the biggest question is why not? Mm. You know, why not? And, uh, and if I could – you know, like as a parent, you know, three three daughters. Um, if I could ever pass on something to them, it would always be lose the fear. You know, don't be afraid. You know, yeah, make the most out of it. Um, because there's a lot of things to be afraid these days. You know, yeah. So it's like, how? Just yeah, lose the fear. You know, once you drop that, the world will open for you. 
got a sweet deal for you today, guys. Go to freedivingfamily.com and learn from Adam Stern and a select team of experts on different disciplines. There's frenzel, advanced frenzel, and hands-free equalization, mouthful, deep frenzel equalization, bifinning essentials. These are courses that will give you the 1% that will allow you to improve. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. Again, that's the code SPIRO to get 20% off at freedivingfamily.com. Thanks, Adam and team. Love it. Killfish with precision and power, sending shafts from a stable platform with Killshot Spear Guns. Made in the Florida Keys by Ed Martin, you're buying American-made, dependable spear guns. Get $30 off any Killshot Spear Gun at killshotspearguns.com. Yes and amen, Nuba. That's $30 off American-made performance spear guns at killshotspearguns.com. It says if they're in the shop or on the phone, they can cash in by saying, crikey, mate, or the Noob Spiro podcast sent me. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com, based in the Florida Keys. Salt and water make for a deadly combination when it comes to dive gear. That's why you need to visit oldmanblue.com.au. They use the finest in materials and they make stuff to last. They use 316 marine grade stainless steel in their loops and they source their materials and make their own stuff right there in Western Australia. Catch bags, cray loops and more. Visit oldmanblue.com.au. Check it out. So your photography is another expression of this in my mind, Tran. Um, getting infinitely practical for a sec here with photography. How to how how would you if someone says, "Oh, hey, Tran, I love your photography. I'm going to go grab a camera tomorrow and start doing this because I, I think I can do the same thing that you do." Um, how would you advise them to start? Um, m- maybe given you know they've got a certain budget constraints. Oh, good question. I'd, I'd just say start. <laughs> Where's your phone? <laughs> There's your camera on your phone. Let me have a look at your camera on your phone. And um, because every, everyone these days can afford a phone, yep. every phone's got a camera. So you instantly um, got a medium to creativity. Uh, and I think, you know, start with your phone. And, and you know, there's, there's some amazing photos I've taken with just my phone because I'm usually covered in muck. I've got a wetsuit on. Uh, I can't get access to my, uh, my you know, good cameras. Uh, and sometimes you, you, all you've, you've got is your phone. And, uh, yeah, so in that aspect, uh, you've instantly got a creativity uh, medium there. And also, you know, like, Try not to compare yourself with other photographers because I know I'd, I'd break down and cry if I compared myself with some other amazing photographers because they are absolutely amazing. So, and that's the worst thing you can do is to um, to to compare yourself with other photographers. And I tell you what, the other really bad thing to do is don't join a Facebook group that's with photographers in it because <laughs> photographers are some of the most funny people I've ever met. You know, yeah. uh, because it's 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 photography is is, is, is like a painting. It's, it really is depending on the on the on the viewer. Um, and uh, my other one is find something that you love. You know, like I love being underwater, and I love being in, in amongst it all, and I love the fish life and the colours and everything. So for me, that is actually not work. You know, so when I, when I jump in the water, it's like this is not work. This is so far from work. It's not funny, but you know. So, yeah, just find something, you know, and, and, you know, there's Instagrammers out there and people who make a lot of money just taking photos off their phones, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, like I said, you don't need a huge amount of money to, 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 to get to get started. Cool. Yeah. 
All right. Um, what about scary stuff, Chan? Have you ever had anything really scary happen to you out spearfishing? And, and if so, what did you learn from it? Oh, mate, life has been pretty pretty scary. <laughs> That's what I well, having a heart there, attack sounds pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. no, like five way, yeah, five way heart bypass. Uh, that that tops most things. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, it's a really good question because I because I, I, I looked at that and I saw that question, I saw that question on your um, PDF there, and I thought that is a really hard question. You know, like I can't, I can't think i mean i've been in some pretty crazy crazy situations you know from getting stuck in a in a um, in a wreck um off the coast of um at reef which is like 300 nautical miles south of um tonga you know it's just one of those pit stops where all the yachties take uh, go over Oh, yeah. mate, if, if someone said to you, hey, let's go to Minerva Reef, you should be there with bells on. Yeah. It is the most amazing location, clean water, tropical fish, painted craze by the thousands. It is uh, it's spectacular. Reef sharks, you name it, it's, it's amazing there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's literally in the middle of nowhere. I mean, yeah, you know, we, we dove into a cave and we couldn't turn around because our fins were too long. And so, you know, ended up running out of the air and taking my fins off and then uh, trying to swim out without, uh, you know, with holding fins and stuff, you know, that type on, of thing. That's but, on scuba? No, no, this is free diving. Yeah, so, oh, wow. uh, you know, long, long fins, um, you know, poking around and then realise, hey, I actually can't turn around here because my fins and I uh, are too long. So uh, yeah, ended up kicking my fins off and then uh, you know back crawling and then grabbing my fins. Yeah, it was, it was you know like and and sure enough that you know that was a bit of you know that gave me some food for thought and, and, and lessons learned. But um, yeah, not not really. You know, I couldn't I couldn't put my finger on one amazing event or anything. It's it's all been amazing, really. Yeah. So. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, um, let's head well, on out with a faster round of questions. Eh? This is Spiro Q and A. You ready to rock? <laughs> Oh, mate, yeah, all right. All right. Um, what is the single best piece of advice you've ever been given for spearfishing? Slow down. Really enjoy the moment. Don't think, you know, don't think you're going to go out there and nail big, amazing fish. Just slow down. You've got plenty of time. Okay. Who has been the most influential person or people in your spearfishing journey? Hard question. I, I, I don't, I, I never knew the big names. I never knew the famous people. I just went out there and just sort of did my own thing and, um, yeah, so no, no amazing role models. Even though I'd love to meet some of them, um, no, I never, never had the chance. If you had to start all over again, what would you do differently? Earlier, <laughs> get in earlier, uh, and, uh, and 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 get those connections in place. Uh, get those amazing connections in place with the fellow divers, and, and just get out there and enjoy it. Yeah. Have you had any resources that have helped you improve your spearfishing? Having, have, you know, having a couple of sponsors really helps, you know, like, uh, as I said, you know, we, 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 we had kids early and so we were always on the back foot and uh, never had the right gear, never had the right equipment. And then when uh, our sponsors came through, it was like Christmas every day of the year. Yeah. It was like, wow, I'm not freezing my ass off anymore. I can actually stay in the water, you know. So, uh, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. So just quickly, um, rattle off who they are against. So you got Splash. Um, yeah, so Splash Dive, um, and they represent uh, Rob Allen, New Zealand, um, Epsilon, um, and heaps of other amazing brands. Um, yeah. And then also uh, been working with Ocean Hunter in New Zealand here, Mike yeah, cool. from Ocean Hunter. Been really, really uh, nice to, to interact with them and super groovy crew. 
and then also um, catch fishing. You know, John Donald and um, Grant Biddle there, uh, amazing. Uh, not not just because they're in the supply of um, really cool gear, is that they're actually amazing people. They're actually um, really genuine people, and that that was probably what attracted me um, to them in the first place. It was like you guys are actually really cool. You know, uh, yeah. So that it's was all, really neat. It's easy to work with cool people, isn't it? And uh, sometimes. Oh. There's other yeah. types of people that you couldn't be paid enough money to work with, so it's it's great to be having good people in your corner. So, <laughs> yeah, totally, mate, totally yeah. get that one. Yeah, awesome. Well, yeah. last question, Tran. Um, what does the spearfishing experience mean to you in one sentence or less? Uh, a, a way of life and a journey through this world. Fantastic. I love it. It's consistent with uh, your sort of your Instagram handle. There, it says a soul who hears the ocean when she calls. And listens when she sings, a photographer, a storyteller. Uh, very much enjoyed hearing your story, Tran. It's been a, a little bit of time in the making, so I really appreciate you jumping on and um, and and having a chat with me and sharing your story with uh, our community. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for the invite, mate. And, uh, yeah, you're a great host. Hopefully uh, that wasn't a whole lot of dribble there. Mate, I, it's the, <laughs> only the dribble I like. <laughs> so it's all good. People can um, come and find you today. If they go to noobspiro.com forward slash Tran, T-R-A-N, I'll have um, I'll have Tran's website linked up, which is oceanprotagonist.com. His Instagram is tran.lawrence, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E. Is there anywhere else people can come and connect with you, Tran? Oh, God, no, don't, don't, don't. I, that's enough social media. You know? <laughs> Just, you know, my final word of advice, put your phone down, pick up your flippers and go do uh, get in the water. On that note, mate, we're going to have to end it there. That was beautiful. Thank you very much. Awesome, mate. Hey guys, Tran Lawrence, I hope you really enjoyed that. Again, uh, if you want to check him out, I'd encourage you to go to his Instagram, which is tran.lawrence on Instagram. Tran Lawrence on Instagram. He's also at oceanprotagonist.com. Uh, he's got his own YouTube channel as well, as we discussed in the show. If you want to go to today's show notes, go to noobspero.com forward slash Tran, T-R-A-N, and uh, we'll have a bunch of this stuff linked up in today's show notes. Hey, guys, I'm super excited about next week. It's Forrest Galante. Uh, this is guy's been a TV personality in his own right and done a lot of the things that many of us aspire to, making a living doing stuff that he's passionate about and uh, absolutely loves. Very cool chat. I really enjoyed chatting with Forrest. Come back in only one week. We've got an accelerated schedule for the month of March and I'm excited to bring you a bunch of really, really cool interviews with a bunch of really, really cool people. Uh, Forrest Galante is going to hit that off for us. First interview of the month, first cab off the rank. Um, guys, if you're loving the podcast, um, join 50 other patrons at patreon.com forward slash noobspero and consider um, basically sponsoring the podcast on an episode by episode basis and uh, your support will be much appreciated um, again if you want to leave a review for the podcast by all means do so um, Spotify now have a review section on there Apple Podcasts always welcome um, criticisms always welcome too you're always welcome to email shrek at noobspero.com if you want to shout out tell me something tell us how the show's going could be improved it's always welcome uh, and thanks for all the encouragement and telling your mates about the show. That's it for me today, guys. Over and out. Boom. Today's episode was an absolute banger, and so is our major sponsor, Adreno. Visit them at adreno.com.au. 
They have a huge range of equipment. You can find it at adreno.com.au. Use the code NoobSpirit at checkout. When you shop online, you can save $20 on every purchase over $200. You can even use that code in-store at some of their huge mega stores Australia-wide. Price be guarantee on any Australian spearfishing equipment price. Again, visit them at adreno.com.au. Use the code NoobSpirit. The Noob Spiro Podcast is incredibly proud to be partnering with Neptonics.com. It's solid gear that works, equipment you can rely on. It's the very best in spearing gear from around the planet. Neptonics is also the one-stop shop for all your spearfishing gear, particularly in the US. They've got free shipping on all orders over $99 in the US. Furthermore, you can use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off on your entire shopping basket at Neptonics.com. Use the code NOOBSPIRIT, Neptonics.com. Neptonics.com.